0: Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast. You're with Colin Klupik. In this interview, we talk with speech-language pathologist Devon Barnes about auditory processing disorder in the classroom, how to identify it and what you can do about it. Devon, getting straight into the practical sides of what mm-hmm. to do with auditory processing disorder, how might we recognise it in the classroom?
1: One of the most common features would be where a teacher would notice that a student there's a delay before they respond to a question or an instruction. So the teacher might say to the student, get out your maths books and find Chapter 3 and your student with auditory processing disorder will just be sitting there for a, a few seconds thinking, um, what, what did she ask me to do? They might even look at their neighbour to see what they're required to do. So one of the most common things is a delay in responding to an instruction quite often they will mishear an instruction so they might um, do the wrong thing because they haven't heard or they haven't processed the instruction correctly.
0: So straight away a practical thing for a teacher might be to say um, wait a little bit before perhaps repeating the instruction just to see whether the answer or the action is actually about to come?
1: That's exactly right because quite often these children it's not a question of them not understanding what the teacher said but they just are slower to process that information, so we just, waiting don't them, is,
0: we just don't give them the chance.
1: That's right, that's right. Also, a child with auditory processing, one of the most common symptoms is that they're often very bothered by background noise. So if there's extraneous noise in the classroom, they'll have much more difficulty processing what the teacher's saying.
0: So acoustic treatment of classrooms would be mm-hmm. uh, a pretty good idea.
1: Very much so, and quite a simple thing to do these days. Another issue for children with auditory processing is that it can very much impact on their development of their literacy skills. So one of the major difficulties when you're learning to read and spell is to be able to hear sounds in words and distinguish sounds in words. And many children with auditory processing disorder, that's a major difficulty for Mm. them. So it impacts on their literacy skill development.
0: Related to that, I suppose, might be their social development, how they perceive different types of language, like uh, uh, compliments or sarcasm.
1: Exactly, because auditory processing disorder is very closely associated with the perception of language. So if you're not processing what you're hearing, you will have difficulty um, with aspects of language. So one of the issues in auditory processing is that difficulty in understanding Differences in tone of when we when um, we're spoken to, so they might confuse um, a sarcastic comment with um, a, a criticism. So if the teacher is saying, uh, "Gee, that was smart," compared to "That was smart," your child with auditory processing isn't going to perceive those fine differences, and they they can feel very upset uh, with a misinterpretation of a message.
0: So um, with uh, perception of language, I guess accents would come into that as well if a student had a teacher with a very heavy accent.
1: That can be a huge problem for a child with auditory processing because one of the other difficulties that's been very well documented is that when the speech signal is in any way, we use the word degraded, it just means that it's the... Signal is not ideal, so that could be a teacher with uh, a foreign accent, a teacher with a hoarse voice, teacher just has a cold or laryngitis, and so the speech isn't going to be as clear as normal, so that will impact on a child with auditory processing disorder. In fact, I had a student this year who had to be moved out of a class purely because um, the teacher had a foreign accent and he just could not cope in that classroom, whereas the other children didn't have a problem.
0: So what would you say to a teacher who, uh, who might think that there could be some problems in the classroom but they're not really sure what to do or uh, maybe they don't know whether they're just trying to guess too much as to what the problems might be? I mean... What's the, what's the next thing a teacher can do?
1: Well, I think in an ideal situation, the teacher then needs to speak with the parent and maybe, if possible, organise an assessment for the child. And in that assessment, we need to look at quite a few things. We need, First of all, we want to make sure that the child can actually hear. And then we need to look at their language skills and possibly their cognitive skills and then possibly have a specific assessment for auditory processing disorder if they, if they can um, access that.
0: What about daydreamers?
1: Well, they're an interesting group of children. I mean, and I there's... like to
0: daydream. Does that mean I have auditory processing Not disorder? necessarily.
1: I think daydreaming can be a um, result of three different conditions and very often hard to distinguish between the three. Sometimes very, very bright children, very gifted children, are lateral thinkers and so they'll have an idea and then their brain will just go off with a new idea and that takes them off into this wonderful world of... uh, ideas. Then you have your child with ADHD inattentive type who just cannot um, sustain their focus for any length of time in the classroom. And that usually applies to any activity, whether it's auditory or visual or whatever they're doing. But our child with auditory processing disorder can appear to draydream, but what we find is they'll only switch off when they're having to deal with a lot of verbal instruction, verbal information. So it's like their brain just gets overloaded. So once the brain is overloaded with auditory information and cannot process one more iota, then they will appear to switch off and daydream. But in fact, it's just because their auditory systems uh, reached its capacity for that point in time.
0: Daydreaming is um, I guess you could say a passive response does it go the other way as well like do the do the students sometimes go a bit crazy
1: with auditory processing I think particularly the students that are very bothered by background noise, and continually frustrated because they're missing a lot of what the teacher's saying. If there's a classroom discussion, they get very uh, lost in that as well. And so that can be very distressing. And, And they're not achieving as well, so they can often get very upset. Some children will even cover their ears because they're so bothered by background noise, which can be, or they might even cry or or hit out at other children because of the distress that they're uh, suffering because of their disorder.
0: So they might not actually just be badly behaved. They've they've really got a problem and they need help.
1: Absolutely. And I think for teachers, any child with any behaviour problem, there's always a reason. No child misbehaves. For no reason. So it's the challenge for teacher then to try and uh, understand where that behaviour is coming from.
0: That's a bold statement but I guess you've got uh, some 40 years of experience in being able to form that opinion.
1: Absolutely. You seem pretty
0: confident of that.
1: Absolutely without question. All behaviour comes from something whether it's anxiety. Many children behave very badly Um, because they're anxious about something it could be a social situation at home it could be about their learning um, it could be about many things and to me most well all behavior comes from some source children are not born naughty
0: if you're a proactive teacher or if you're in uh, educational administration and you want to do something about your classrooms what could you do
1: There are lots of things you can do. So first of all, we would want to look at the uh, physical environment. We have to try and reduce the amount of extraneous noise as much as possible. So really simple things like having carpet on the floor, rubber tips on the bottom of chairs, cork boards and cloth boards to absorb um, noise. And then for our child with auditory processing, where are we going to seat that child? So we need to seat the child very, quite close to the teacher so that the teacher can check for comprehension and make sure the child is um, understanding instructions so she can give those subtle checks. So we don't want our child with auditory processing disorder up the very back of the room where the teacher's not going to have access to checking for comprehension.
0: Some schools have, have gone away, uh moved completely away from desks in rows, Uh, is that a good approach?
1: Well, actually, for our child with auditory processing, um, it will depend again on where we seat them. They really should be ideally facing the teacher because if we have our children sitting around desks in clusters, you're only going to get a quarter of children at each table facing the teacher. Uh, if the teacher's standing at the front of the room. So for our child with auditory processing, it's not the best way to seat the child.
0: And do we need to be um, that concerned that we start thinking about other noise, like noise coming from outside the classroom or air conditioners or fans and things like that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, our child with auditory processing, we know one of the, m- the most distressing symptoms for them is dealing with background noise. And so we need our child with auditory processing away from fans and air conditioners and traffic outside, so not near a window that's, for example, on a busy road, <clears throat> not near a corridor where you'd have other children running up and down, you know, shouting and laughing. So, you know, just being thoughtful of where we we sit that child and how we how we organize the environment.
0: So direct communication, face-to-face, removal of background noise, Mm -hmm. that's already going to do a lot without having to make major Mm -hmm. modifications to the classroom.
1: That's right. But also one of the things that that really helps our child with auditory processing is amplifying the teacher's voice. And we can do that in two ways. One we call a personal FM system where the student wears a little very tiny device... um, in the student's ear and the teacher wears a microphone so the teacher's voice is really going direct to the 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 ear of our child with auditory processing those the limitations there is they're quite expensive and the teacher has to learn how to use that so that when she's speaking maybe to another child she has to make sure that her mic is turned off or that she's covered it up another way of Improving the what we call the signal to noise ratio for our, our students is having the whole classroom amplified with a sound field system. There are various ones of those on the market today. <clears throat> Some of them are quite um, affordable, where the teacher, again, wears a microphone and the sound amplifier is placed in a strategic position in the classroom where that sound is delivered equally to every child in the classroom.
0: So like a public address system?
1: That's right. So whether the child is sitting in the front row or the back row, they will equally receive the teacher's voice. Teachers also love these uh, devices because they don't have to shout anymore anymore. And so it's very good for the teacher because the teacher will not end up with vocal strain from shouting at the children.
0: Oh, no teachers shout at children. <laughs> doesn't happen that often, does it?
1: Well, you'd be surprised.
0: So are, are a lot of schools taking up these systems? I mean, if, if, say, for example, a sound field system is going to be better for everybody,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are people doing that?
1: Some schools are. I know in our area here, several of both public and private schools have made their schools auditory processing friendly and so um, I think it is becoming more common and as new schools are being designed I think a lot of schools are bearing these issues in mind to
0: help all students. Devon we have also talked briefly before about multiple intelligences can we bring a little bit of that in when we're dealing with auditory processing disorder strategies?
1: Absolutely because I think if the teacher knows that and every, every classroom is going to have at least one or two children in the classroom with either an auditory processing disorder or a language processing disorder. So if the teacher can use multisensory strategies as much as possible, all of the students are going to benefit from that, not just our students with auditory processing. So we know these children have much more difficulty processing in background noise, retaining what they hear and processing instructions. So if the teacher can accompany verbal instructions with visual cues, such as diagrams, graphs, even written summaries, it really helps our students. Mm.
0: Or practical demonstrations perhaps?
1: Absolutely. Hands-on teaching is very good. Many children we know learn best by doing than by listening. So the more practical strategies we can use, the better.
0: You've been listening to the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFast Australia.